this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. And we are stuffed up and having sinus issues because our state is burning down. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's not not ideal. I wouldn't recommend it. Things are getting real hot around here. Um, smoke is everywhere. So if you hear us sniffling, especially, I'm, you know what? I edit most of our sniffles and coughs out. Fun fact for you listeners, but <laughs> I may not get to all of those today because we're recording on Tuesday. This has to go out on Thursday, just an FYI. But I'm pretty sure you guys don't care about that because you just, you're here for the joy and Claire, right? Yes. So I just had to laugh really quick because I was rushing home to record and get everything ready. And Scott was like, what are you all, what are you going to talk about? Oh I know gosh. Brandon does this to you. Where you're, he's like, yeah, what are you guys going to talk about? I'm like, we've talked about this for seven and a half years. We never have a plan. We always have like a light agenda. But he's like, who's the guest tonight? Because he was like, he saw me rushing. I'm like, no guests. Yeah, we're just no talking. And, and he's like, oh, so what are you going to talk about? I said, I don't know. Would you like to contribute something? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I have a question for Claire. I was like, okay. okay. So Scott, Scott wants us to talk about... He's so funny. He goes, this would, this is going to create some really good dialogue. <laughs> Claire, would you, at this time in Colorado's history with all these wildfires and one of the worst ones in history going on right now, would you buy a house in the foothills? <laughs> That's his question. That's his question. That's supposed yeah. to be like, yeah. Well, well, Scott, Scott, I don't think I ever would have bought a house in the foothills. Really? Why not? Because they're so expensive. <laughs> they're like minimum a million to five million dollars like starting price right right but if you if money wasn't an an issue would you like or do you have a desire to live in the foothills i guess like it's kind of a desirable place to live in colorado no i don't think i would i think that if i like if i had unlimited money yeah I wouldn't turn down a house in the foothills. <laughs> but like if I was going to buy a $5 million home in Boulder, that's not where I would pick. Okay. I would pick like closer to like downtown Boulder. I would live in like one of those cool historic houses on like yeah, West Pearl. Yeah, those, those are really cool. Or like, really or like cool. up by Chautauqua even. Yes. But like sure. the area that he's talking about, sort of that like Lake of the Pines, North Boulder, like up above Hell yep. Ranch. I don't think I would. And, and not necessarily because of the wildfires, but more so just because like... There's crappy cell phone service up there. The like road services are kind of crappy right. up there. When it snows, like, you like things yeah. are plowed right away. Yeah. I just, it, it wouldn't be in my top list of places to live in the city of Boulder or in Boulder County. And I like that answer because that is not what he would expect you to say, I think. Oh. But, yeah. But he, so he and I always talk about moving to the foothills because he's like, that's one of his dreams is to just keep moving west until we're in the mountains. And especially with what's going on with all the fires, he's like, I don't know if I would do that now. It's so scary. So anyway, do you have anything from like Claire's environmental corner that we need to know? I know you did some good oh posts this week. Just. <laughs> I know, just like, just so like many a, things. Just like a dip into that world. We don't well, need to okay. go too far. First of all, in that like Lake of the Pines neighborhood, if you guys aren't from Boulder, even if you are from Boulder, you might have no idea what neighborhood I'm talking about. But there's this like super swanky, very exclusive, like you need a code to get in past the gate type of neighborhood that's north of Boulder on the west side of 
36. And again, that probably doesn't mean anything to most of you. But a couple of years ago when I was like trying to be a florist by myself and I was doing those Mother's Day deliveries, Mm, I had a delivery up there. And one of the moms that I delivered to was like, I was like, I love your house. It's so beautiful. And she was like, thanks. Like, I never even knew this place was up here. And I was like, yeah, I only knew about it because it always gets evacuated for the wildfires. And she was like, what now? (laughs) I was like, gotta go. (laughs) 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 Nothing. Never mind. Gotta go. Oh, whoops. I just got a call. I gotta go. Yeah. (laughs) Except I didn't. Enjoy your flowers. Up here. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. Someone's calling me. I'm she's sorry. Like, I don't have so. Yeah, she's like, no, there's no bars. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> you're like, what excuse that? me. And I was like, oh, your uh, insurance agent didn't mention that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I just feel like the biggest thing that I can tell everyone is that we need people. We need politicians who literally even believe that climate change is real, right. and that believe. <laughs> We need people who are in charge of making decisions, who believe that we have a responsibility to be stewards of our planet at every level of government. I'm not just referring to the presidential election, but I am definitely referring to the presidential election as well. Right. That, you know, to me, like, you know, the people's like environmental uh, policy beliefs tend to really take a backseat to more controversial issues when in reality, environmental issues are some of the most pressing issues of our times and like this stuff has been going on since the 80s mm-hmm. we've known about carbon yeah. issue you know problems yep. since the 70s and 80s we've known about fossil fuels being a problem since the 60s 70s 80s Re- renewable energy is out there and it's ready to be to take over most of our fossil fuel and the fossil fuel lobbyists and industry are the ones who have blocked that from happening like renewable energy solutions are out there and they have been out there for decades don't let anyone tell you that the technology isn't there. It is there. The infrastructure may not be there, but if they can freaking put fiber optic, optic internet into all of the city of Longmont, they can figure out how to connect you to a solar grid. Yeah. Like this needs, and, it, and the, re- the only reason they haven't is because it has not been a priority because of so many reasons. So yes, we have a listener, Ryan, who wants to come on the show and talk about climate change. And I believe this person is getting their PhD. They're almost done with their PhD from the University of South Florida. And I would love to have her on and talk about this. So I'm going to, we're going to arrange that at some point. So if you guys have like actual climate change questions, climate science, climate science. Yes. It was really cute because she emailed us and she's like, specifically, I focus on how the Antarctic ice, the Antarctic ice sheet has changed in the past so that we can put current and future changes into context. So great. I love that. <laughs> like when people do their PhDs or like I these know. teeny tiny questions. Like, so specific. But it's ice so great. is like one of the way like ice cores and like looking at ice is one of the most accurate ways to, they're like the tree rings of climate. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I can, so, I can visualize yeah. that. So the other thing, is there ever, for, for maybe some naysayers, I would be really um, surprised if we had climate change refusers. Is that what we call them out there? Deniers. I, deniers. I would, <laughs> refusers. I refuse. I refuse to believe. I mean, at this point, it's a refusal. It is. Like, I would, you have been presented with facts and you are refusing to believe them. <laughs> I, I wonder, and we're going to talk a little bit about this because you know what? We're two weeks away from a very important election, so buckle up. But 
I wonder about like, where is the really good rational thinking around that? Like, is there truly, is it just to, I'm starting to wonder if people just like to disagree for disagreement's sake. About About climate change? Well, about anything. So we'll get to that in a second. But I just kind of am like, is there any good like data that goes against what no. science is saying? But it's Here's hard to argue thing. with science. It's, like, what am I, what mean, am I it's missing? It's hard, here? and yet people do it every day. <laughs> um, the thing, the number one argument against climate change is that it's not caused by humans. That throughout the history of our planet, we've had ice ages and we have had warm periods, and that this is part of the natural ebb and flow of climate, uh, you know, uh, uh, the climate of our world. And so for most climate deniers, they don't deny that the climate trends have changed and climate by definition is a trend, right? The difference, that's the difference between weather and climate. Like that's why people are like, oh, so if climate change is real, then why is it snowing? Because weather and climate are not the same thing. Weather is, can be an indicator of climate, but they are not synonymous, right? That would be like saying like, I can't even think of a good example of like what off the top of my head with I should I should have like a ready made analogy for that. Right. But like I hope you guys understand the difference between weather sure. and climate. Like weather is like some what's going on outside right now. Climate is like what are the trends in your region over years and years. Right. And so climate deni- climate change deniers will say okay, yes, I can't argue, you like literally can't argue with the science that like we're in some, you know, we've recently had most of the warmest years on record have been just the past few years. But they will say this has nothing to do with human carbon footprints. This has, and and this is just a natural ebb and flow within the trajectory of the climate of our planet. Interesting. Yes. What's the harm in believing in, in climate change? You know, I don't want to yes. go down that rabbit hole, but it's kind of well, like, what's the, the harm in that? The quick answer is that it would mean you'd have to change your life. Exactly. Okay. So let's just parlay that into some conversation. So this is just what I've been thinking about. And I am talking through a lot of my feelings and just things that I've kind of noticed in the past few weeks, especially with this huge election that is causing a lot of discussion and a lot of anger and a lot of feelings from a lot of people. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that today because I just think it's really important. And for my own selfish reasons, I want to like bounce some things off of you too, because I want to hear what you think about it. So the, the one thing I wanted to talk about is like, I have kind of gone through this evolution of how I'm dealing with social media and the election, how I'm talking to friends and family about the election, and how I'm just kind of like trying to keep myself sane as well. And what I've noticed is I started posting a lot on Facebook, on my own personal Facebook page. And that probably started, I want to say like a couple months ago, maybe a few months ago, like here and there. And I never post on Facebook. Like I just... I don't use it really for anything other than to just like maybe glance and see what my friends are up to every once in a while or use it for our podcast Facebook page. But I never, never use it. So I started posting some things on there just because I was like, I need word vomit. And it's almost like when Scott was talking about how I need a burner account just to like get my feelings out. Because yeah, we can talk to people about it, but there's just something that we're using social media as an outlet, which is fine. But I needed like some outlet to just like get it out there. So I just started posting on my Facebook page and I started noticing like, I I don't have any 
intention other than I need to put word vomit somewhere. I also feel like there's some kind of like, there's some kind of stance that I wanted to like let my close friends and family know where I stand on some issues that maybe I'm not talking with my family about face to face because we tend to just kind of blow up on some things and disagree. So instead of going that route, I'm like, fine, you're going to see where I stand. I know it sounds really childish. I'm not saying this is right, but this is just like how I'm coping. Okay. <laughs> Let me just make that clear. I'm not saying that this is an example for anybody. I'm just saying this is what I'm doing. Right or wrong, stupid or smart, it is what it is. So I recently posted this article. It was an NPR article. So again, I'm like really making sure that I'm not putting like bogus articles out there. And I'm also very aware that I nobody cares what I'm posting. I don't think anyone, no one really cares. And I'm not trying to change anybody's mind, which we should all be aware of now that nothing you post online is going to change anybody's mind. But you, I'm doing it more for like, this is what I stand for as a statement. But I did, <laughs> I, I posted something on from an NPR article that was basically talking about how on one of the, on the first debate, Trump brought up Biden's son's drug addiction. And how he got kicked out of the military and he was addicted to drugs. And it was just some really low blow um, distraction tactic. And so I just posted this article from NPR that was basically saying because of that statement, it has really made it harder for people struggling with addiction. It has enhanced that stigma that they're already dealing with of shame. So that's kind of like the cliff notes of what this article was about. And as a mental health person, I'm like, <laughs> I see this every single day. And this is really hard for me to see the leader of my nation talking about this and making mental health, even though, yes, people could argue he's done a lot for opioid addiction, but to put that on a platform when you're running for president made me really upset. So people who are struggling with drug and alcohol addiction, I'm like, this is not cool. Basically, my statement on my post was, I really wish the leader would give more grace and acceptance to people dealing with drug and alcohol addiction. And if you're struggling, here's a resource. Like not saying screw Trump, but I really wish he would have handled this differently. And I got, again, I don't do this for comments or for likes. I just do it because I'm like, I feel the need to put this out there. But I got a comment from two people from my high school who I didn't even know I was friends with. And I don't even think they've commented on one post. And... (laughs) I grew up in Arizona. I'm not speaking bad about this, but I grew up in a very Mormon town. I was the only Catholic girl. It's a very strict way of thinking. They, most of them have not left that town and they still think the same way. For better, for worse, that's just a fact. And so they commented very much like just coming to disagree with me. Never once have they liked a, liked a post of mine. I mean, in the, in the however many years I've been on Facebook and I have not spoken to these people. Again, I didn't even know I was friends with them. I was like, wow. I didn't even know I was friends with these people. They just came to disagree with me. And they commented and they basically said like the same thing. That because in my post, I said, addiction is a disease, not a choice. Now we could break that down for hours, but I'm not going to. So they were basically saying like, well, it is a choice. I've seen plenty of people make bad choices. And, you know, we all just need to be nice. It is 1000% not a choice. It is 1000. And and it's so nuanced that I'm not going to get into that. Like, sure. If we want to just look at it face value, like it's a choice you make, but (laughs) for the first time maybe is a choice. But once you develop an addiction, that is no longer, you're no longer choosing. You're no, 
And, and, and so I, I looked at that and it got under my skin so bad to a point, like I realized what I did. I am very aware of my actions of putting this on a post, like, but I just didn't expect these two people that I haven't talked to probably since high school, 23 years ago, all of a sudden jumping into my comments where I was like, whoa. And, and I even like called out that like, hey, I'm speaking from a professional point. Like I work in mental health. I've been in the field for yeah. 20 years. I, I'm really disappointed that he spoke about this, about drug and alcohol addiction, right? So I'm sorry I'm making this so long. I'll get to a point here. But basically, the one gal that made this very long post about like, I've seen people go through addiction and I, they've gotten, they've you know reached out for help, but they still make bad choices was like so, and I love all my friends from Mesa, but this was so like small town thinking of like, oh, well, not even small like, town, just like clearly, clearly no, like you haven't considered. You haven't considered. Right. It, and it, it just reality is other than your own. You have not. But it reminded me so much of why I left that town was yeah. like, I love you all from Mesa. But this is like my experience when I was in high school of like, I got to get out of here and experience more because I can't stay in this like small, smaller world for me. It just anyway. So it just reminded me of that. Like I got this like flashback of like, oh my gosh, like this is why I left because they don't. Con- <laughs> In my experience with the circle of friends that I was with, mostly people were like not thinking outside of like their own world and their own experiences. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so disturbing. And so first of all, how dare you come to my page to just disagree with me because you all of a sudden want to just come out of the woodwork and disagree with something that I said. But... (laughs) This is not up for discussion. This is not up for discussion. I work in the field until you tell me that you have sat with hundreds of people that have gone through something like this. You're basing it off of... Anyway, so I blocked her because I was like, I don't know you anymore and I'm going to block you. Now, some people would say, oh, that's just like, that's so stupid of you to block. But I'm like, I have no interest in hearing what you have to say. And I don't want your negativity on my post because I want a thoughtful discussion. I don't want Mm -hmm. you to like come here 23 years later and just comment on something just because you are a Trump supporter. And that just like pissed me off. The point that I'm making is like, it got under my skin so bad that I had to like sit back and be like, why did that get under my skin so bad? Like to a point where I like didn't sleep very well that night, which is so stupid. And then the other guy kind of said the same thing. He was like, I've struggled with addiction for three years. Like I, I had a cocaine addiction and he's also a like staunch tr- Trump supporter. I went to his page and he's, he's the one that like posts those really like really insane, inappropriate things that are like, oh my gosh, this is disturbing type of stuff. That like even like reasonable, that like nobody on either side who's reasonable would find, would yeah. Correct. Totally. And so I was like, oh, so I just, he basically was just like kind of saying the same thing. Like I'm, I just congratulated him on his sobriety because he's like, I'm, I'm sober now, but I had this addiction. Like congratulations on your sobriety. But it was the same thing of like, why are you coming? You're just arguing for the sake of arguing. And that's where I have a hard time with all of this going on. I've realized, first of all, like, yeah, social media is not the place to live with these things and certainly Mm -hmm. don't like read the comments. But I also am passionate about making a stance and saying something. I I chose to put this post out there. But I also was like, oh, and I need to be mindful of like who I'm listening to and who I'm like letting into my bubble. Now, I want people in my bubble who will disagree with me, but who know me and social media is like walking into this place of like where any- anything goes. But I thought like I had this audience where people were mostly like, well, I disagree. I'm just not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. But I think what was interesting to me was like why it got under my skin so much and why. So when you read posts that are like so ridiculous 
it gets under it gets under my skin and it probably gets under your skin or people's skin because it is so it's almost like shock value like people are putting things out there that are sho- so shockingly angry does that make sense like i think that's what is constantly coming at us so i just wanted to kind of like pitch it to you of like not saying like how you deal with it cuz we're all going to deal with it differently but why are we so quick to just like either disagree or make some horrible comments like here's another thing i'm seeing all the biden posts cuz of course i'm following biden's page and kamala's page mm-hmm. and the second they post anything or even people out there who are posting i voted someone's going in the comments been like trump 2020 it's like right okay you know like are we here are we really here can we just like not have to always just jump to disagree. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just being like super Pollyanna. I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely social media is hard because on the one hand, you I don't know what the balance is. And I feel like we've been talking about this all year of like, right, but it but it's here, right? Like social media is a part of our lives. Like I totally I don't want to be off it because I think it does it does something for me that there's a reason like for on a human behavior level, we use it for a reason. It does something for us, dopamine, whatever you want to say. Yeah. It does something for us. But then it also is it's also like a bad thing. I think the question becomes if you're going to engage with somebody that you disagree with. Yes. What are you going there to do? Are you going there, you know, and this goes back to our conversation with JK, like help me understand, you know, are you really right. going to, to somebody to have a conversation? Help me understand what you mean by addiction is a disease. I've always thought addiction was a personal choice. And, you know, the people that I've known have made terrible choices and have, you know, in my opinion, have done this to themselves. I don't see what you're saying by addiction is a disease disease. Can you help me understand what you're talking about? Right. Completely different from completely different. That's not what you know, then with then you're wrong. What are you talking about? And I think I mean, we see the difference every day in our DMs. You know, the the girls who come and I say girls, the women, and it's mostly women, because that's most of our audience who come in and say, hey, I never thought about it this way. Or, you know, I don't find the statement to be true. I don't find the statement to represent what I've experienced. Right. Have you ever thought about it another way? Or, you know, and like, we get those DMs and they're and we we read them, we respond, we respond to them. But the ones we don't respond to are the ones that are like, "Do better. This isn't right." Or "Do better. This is wrong. Do better." You guys don't know what you're talking about. Or just like attack, 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 attack. attack. And I think attack, that's what like, I'm reacting to. Yeah, is like seeing so much attacking out there. It's it's always going to be there, right? Like we're not gonna mm-hmm. we're not gonna win that war. But I think I want to talk more about too is just the anger of this election, what it has brought up. Not so much about like the social media part of it, but how I'm really trying. Like, help me understand. I'm really trying to understand. Social media etiquette, it's free for all of people and the worst humans out there. Like we see it. I think also there's the per- there's your personality is also a factor here. Sure. Because like even between the two of us, you know, we kind of always joke that like I like on social media, you know, I delete the like troll DMs before you can get to them because I know right. that it will like cause a reaction for you. Yeah, Whereas for totally me, I can read reaction. it and be like, right. whatever. And just, yeah. blow up, you know, kind of like I let it just roll off my back. And I think right. that just that's not right or wrong. Right. But I it, do it just, think that like that's right. a piece of the puzzle. Right. And I think like I because where I go immediately is like, oh, how dare you? Like, what kind of pure person are you? And I get really upset and angry. I think I've gotten better about it. Like, I think I've gotten less like reactive, but it still gets me like the girl who posted on my Facebook page. But I think like beyond social media, because we don't need to beat that over and over again. But like, I think what I wanted to just pitch quickly, and I know we probably can't go into this too much without like talking for five hours. But I was thinking today, like, 
this all comes for from a place of fear, like this this back and forth. You're either for something or you're against something. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so extreme. And I think part of it is like Trump has created this world of like extreme Well, doesn't Brene thinking. talk about that? Totally. I'm like with the NRA that it's like, yeah, that's, totally. you know, that's the example she uses, but it's all over the place where it's like, that's when she knows. And I'm dramatically paraphrasing Brene Brown here. Um, but it's, is it... Daring to Lead or the Wilderness book, Dare to Lead, where she talks about, you know, that all of these, like, you're either with us or against us. Once that becomes the rhetoric, she's like, I just, you completely lose me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And and that's such a good point. I think, so I was thinking this morning on my walk with the dog, I was like, I am really trying. There's a part of you that's like, I'm on the border of really trying to understand and really effing angry. Like at any moment I could just flip. Like I'm trying so hard to like be that like nice middle person that's trying to be understanding, but I'm also angry. So I think I could be all of those parts. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be like Miss Pollyanna, Miss Nicey Nice, but I think it's really hard just (laughs) as a woman to like get angry because of how you're viewed. But the thing that's been on my mind so much is like, this whole voting and this whole election is so much about right versus wrong. And I think a lot of elections, but sure. I, I have, I, sadly, I will say this for myself, like, sadly, this is the first election. I think I've gotten this into it. I think four years ago, nobody thought he was going to win. Like no. everyone was like, there's no, so, and then before that was Obama and I was, was totally wonderful. fine. So, and then before that, I think I was just like him and, well, and, and I, about politics. Yeah. So like and now I'm back a, of the people Obama ran against sure. who I think in comparison seemed like a much less dramatic dichotomy. Exactly. Candidates. Exactly. So like, here we are, it's very, very extreme. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I was thinking about. So let's talk about this for a minute and then we can move on. <laughs> I'm, I feel I feel like I just word vomited, but I needed it. And I also drank like way too many energy drinks today. So I'm like kind of that just... Is, that is coming through a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not sleep well last night because of cadet. So like I drink energy <laughs> like... Oh, anyway, I apologize. I don't apologize. Is Has there ever been a time or do you know a Republican in your life? <laughs> has there ever been a time... When having a Democrat as a president caused this much vitriol and division. I was trying to think about that, like in my lifetime, in my lifetime, because I can't speak for before. And I don't know, you know, I think that most people... Or has their their life been like extremely affected in such a negative way that they're like, I'm never voting for a Democratic president ever again. Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I don't know that many Republicans. And I certainly don't have any in my family. Sure. And I think... I truly want to know. It's hard to say also because I think that like in the moment things always do feel so dramatic. Yeah. And it and you know, having hindsight on something, it would I think a lot of people might say at the time it felt so extreme, but looking back, I now realize that, you know, the result wasn't as dramatic as I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Because I think what I'm thinking is like, I'm really, 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 really trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying, man. I'm trying to watch the debate. I'm watching the town hall. And it's like, Scott and I talk about this every single night when we go on the walks with the dogs. We have a talk about like, why is this going on in the world? And how can we, you know, how, <laughs> what happens if, if he gets elected again? And 
I really try not to be one of those like quote unquote extreme liberals where the right just loves to like throw that as an excuse and it's like, okay, that's fine, but that doesn't help anything. But I'm trying mm-hmm. to really understand of like, okay, am I missing something where having a democratic leadership made your life so devastatingly difficult? Because I can tell you right now, look at all the division. And I think, yeah, and I think that Republicans would say the same thing. Sure. And I think, yeah, and you know, I think that that's the thing that I <sighs> Maybe I, I just won't ever understand. Totally. And I think that that's the big thing that I, I really try to have that, to have that perspective, maybe not on any given issue, because I, I don't think there are two sides to every issue. There are some issues for me, like climate change, for example, where, again, like, if you don't believe in yeah. climate change, like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't. <laughs> To me, there is not another side to that argument. Right. But then, you know, there are arguments that we've talked about. You know, I'll, I'll go back to like the pro-life, pro-choice org- argument where it's like, I'm, I'm not here to tell you that there is a right or wrong answer to this issue. I'm here to tell you what I believe and why I believe that. But I'm also here to say that I can very much understand and appreciate that this is a nuanced issue with a ton going on. Right. Whereas I think... People who think differently from me, not whereas, but and I think people who think differently from me and from us, because you and I share views on most issues, mm-hmm. have those same beliefs. You know, like I really try to at least appreciate the fact that whatever my opinion is, if there is an issue where I feel like there are two sides to the story, I try to appreciate the fact that the people who believe the other side to the story are looking at my belief the same way that I look at theirs. Yeah. Right. So like for me to think, how could you believe that? There are just as many people looking at me saying, how could you believe that? Sure. And again, you know, this, I don't, like I was saying, like, I don't believe there are two sides to every story. I think that saying like, well, I'm entitled to my opinion is not true. You know, I think we as humans and specifically as Americans need to get over this like, well, I'm entitled to my, to believe whatever I want. Like you aren't actually entitled to believe whatever you want. But I do think that I really try to hold space and especially now, and especially when we talk about this, and especially when I think about our podcast community, I really try to hold space for like, for every strong belief that I have, someone is out there that has the opposite belief. Mm -hmm. And they are looking and you know, they are no less smart than I am. They are no less experienced than I am. But their education and their worldview, and their lived experiences that are very real to them, have led them to believe something different than what I believe. Yes. And I think that, you know, we, we got a comment recently that we get some comments every once in a while. It's like, I can't listen to your podcast anymore because it feels like if we, if I disagree with you, right, I'm not welcome. I'm not welcome. And I just, you know, I really want to, I always want people to feel welcome, but I think that the space of having a podcast and not being able to have a two way dialogue does not lend itself to having like these extreme conversations appropriately. And I think that I could see how that could come across. And I think the other thing is like, you know, in the past we've joked like, well, if you don't believe us, then just unfollow us. And like, I regret joking about that because that's not what I truly believe. I do think that if you feel compelled to unfollow us, then go ahead and you don't have to tell us about it. I don't need you to announce that you're unfollowing us. And I, you know, have no ill will towards you. And, but at the same time, like I had somebody actually reach out to me on my personal Instagram the other day and they were like, Hey, I'm planning on voting for Trump. I actually think Amy Coney Barrett is a great Supreme court candidate. Do you think I, do you want me to unfollow you? And I was like, no, (laughs) I mean, if you don't mind seeing my 
stuff that I post, then right. like far be it from me to only welcome people into my life who agree right. with everything that I think. And she was like, I just wanted to ask because I do follow some other people who recently have been like, if you are voting for Trump, then just go ahead and leave now. Mm. And I feel like that is like almost, not almost, it is reverse cancel culture. Yeah. People are trying to reverse cancel Trump supporters in order to, I think they are expecting that to be a wake up call for those Trump supporters to be like, oh man, if this person who I follow on Instagram doesn't even want me to follow them anymore, then, you know, I really should reconsider my choices. I highly doubt that that has worked at all yeah, for anyone. Really? Yeah. If anything, it just kind of strengthens the beliefs. I mean, Scott and I've talked about this too. And so I just don't, you know, I like, I am not here to tell you that I'm going to use my energy to have a dialogue with every single person on the internet who disagrees with me. Right. But at the same time, I, again, like I don't want to create a world where the only people who feel comfortable around me are the people who agree with me. For sure. Because that then just becomes this vicious cycle, self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think that that's like the line that I want to draw is like, I want people with all different beliefs around me. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm willing or able at any given moment to engage with you about the things that are different about what we believe. Exactly. exactly. And that I think is the biggest disservice that social media has done for us in election times and beyond is made other people feel entitled to our explanations of our beliefs at any moment. You know, like, and I'm not saying that this happens with our followers, but I think, you know, this is something that you, you know, you've probably felt like you experienced on Facebook. This is mm -hmm. something that I, mm -hmm. a big reason why I will just ignore or leave unread things that I know are, you know, people really kind of more coming from the angle of like picking a fight on, on social media right. where just because I, I'm open to other dialogues doesn't right. mean I'm ready to have that conversation at any given moment throughout the day. Those conversations are exhausting. And, you know, I don't know. And I think that for me is kind of where I draw the line of like, I want people around me who don't agree with me because I want my beliefs to be challenged. Mm -hmm. If my beliefs are challenged, that. And then, you know, I'm able to engage in that conversation. I will either learn something I didn't know and potentially change what I believe, or I will strengthen my position by finding a new way to talk about it. But I'm not going to do that at the drop of a hat at any moment mm -hmm. in the day. And none of us got a class in how to have conversations online. I think, I think, <laughs> I think back to, I mean, it's true. I think we truly need a class on how to have conversations mm -hmm. online. I think back to my college days where you would sit in a classroom with people or even in grad school and you'd have conversations and debates and you'd talk about things in a civil manner and respect each other. And I'm not <laughs> thinking that that's ever going to happen on social media, but it's just the, I think we have such a skewed view of what we can actually get accomplished on social media with these important topics. But here's the thing. Everybody is saying something that they're truly passionate about and what they believe. Trump supporters are so passionate and they believe it. And they have the idea that this is their great America. We just have to happen to have a different view of that. So everyone's, everyone's, I think, wanting a better world. But what the better world is, is different for every person. So that's what I kind of have to keep thinking to myself is like, I think most people's intentions are good. Certainly, there's people out there that I see that it's super propaganda and mm -hmm. conspiracy theories and get the F out of here. I certainly will never get on board with that or try to understand that because I think it's, that's one thing I don't tolerate. The intentions behind everyone is that they're trying to have a better world in their view, but we just disagree on mm -hmm. that piece. But as far as people, you know, we have, we have come to this space in social media where 
we are putting ourselves out there in a vulnerable way where we can't control what comes back at us. And I think that's what happened with my Facebook post, what happened, you know, I think that's why a lot of people are nervous to post things because you don't have control about what comes back at you. Where in the normal world, you can not choose to speak to someone or you can right. just give someone a letter and then be like, peace out. I'm, I'm going to call me when you read it. You know, it's like, yeah, we don't have that luxury anymore. So it's just been on my mind a lot lately. And I think that Scott and I have been talking a lot on our walks about this of how, you know, I watch the daily and I, I watch some more like left leaning media just because I love um, Trevor Noah. And he has this awesome correspondent who is just more comedy and he goes to Trump rallies. And if you haven't watched it, Oh it's, yeah, I've seen those. <laughs> It's really, it's really funny for people like myself to watch. And, and I showed it to Scott and he's like, you know, I I think some of these are like really creative, but we can't stay in the place of making fun of the other side. And I, and he's totally right. He's like, you know, I'm a, he's like, I'm beyond that. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm beyond, you know, the videos that are edited to make Trump people look stupid. There's already like jokes and things out there that say that Trump voters don't have a college education. And so they're, you know, this population. And he's like, they already know that that's out there. And that makes them very defensive. So the more you make them look stupid, the more they're pushing against it. He's like, we have to find a way. Right. I mean, same thing for for Democrats, like, you know, the, the tolerant left I've seen, you know, or whatever it is that that is out there about Democrats and like the flaming liberals. He's like, the more you do that, the more you're just causing that friction. I'm like, yeah, so how do we how do we fix that? So we have these conversations all the time. I don't know the final answer to that. And I feel like we've gone on way too long about this discussion. But this is just not tied up with a neat bow, what's been on my mind. Mm-hmm. And who knows what's going to happen in a couple weeks. But you know, I'm not sitting here being like, yeah, Biden's going to win because we don't trust the polls. Nobody trusts anything right now. Nobody trusts anything. Nobody trusts the news. Nobody trusts anything or anyone. Did I miss anything? Or did I do you need to correct me on anything? No, I think I do think uh, knowing you, you probably will hear this again. And and like be like oh wow I was really like you were definitely processing in real time which I know that uh-huh. you tend to not always like to do on the podcast but I think mm-hmm. it's helpful for people yeah you know to like have these real reactions okay so let's turn a corner to lightness yes let's end on a light note is there anything like that stuck out with you because last week's episode was totally totally amazing and if you haven't listened to it I know that there's some listeners out there who are like Oh, there's a guest. I'm going to skip this one. I know you're yes. out there. I if know you're you out there. Skips last week. Go back and listen to it right now. We it's the have episode received, you don't know you need. You don't know you need it. And Casper is wonderful and so wonderful, like just an absolute gem of a human. And we have received more messages about last week's episode being literally life changing yep. than any other episode we've ever done. So in last week's episode, at the end of the episode, which the interview is all about creating secular rituals in your daily life to connect you to whatever it is that you feel like you need connection with, whether that be community, the earth around you, a divine presence, your heritage, whatever that might be. And so we asked you, what rituals do you have in your life that either you already have known were really special that you're just now realizing are really special after listening to this episode and or that you would like to bring into your life. And we got some great responses and I knew we would. And we talked a little bit also last week about like your ritual around Trader Joe's. And 
it, you know, the autumnal products at Trader Joe's. But are there any other rituals that you have that you were like, man, I really want to double down on that? I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And I wouldn't say there's a specific ritual other than every single day. It's been on my mind so much of just like waking up and being with the dogs and taking the dogs for a walk. Like I'm trying to be more just present with my rhythm of life. And I love what Casper said about structure equals freedom, like structure is freedom. That one stuck with me so much. I think the choices that we have, this is another thing, like if we could go back for one second about how much is being thrown at us every single day and the Mm -hmm. choices we have and the conversations we choose to get into or not get into, that that is really, really not doing, it's not helping So I've been trying to be more mindful of if I'm faced with too many choices, like backing away and trying to just be like, nope, this is just what I'm doing today. Because if I had a day to myself with like nothing really planned, I would freak out because that lack of structure would freak me out. So I'm trying to just be like, keep it as simple as possible. Enjoy the rhythm of your life and kind of making meaning with that. The other thing that I really loved is when he talked about the circle of time, time going in a circle. Mm -hmm, and The liturgical calendar. The liturgical calendar of how every single thing, any type of ritual that you do is connected to hundreds and hundreds of years. Builds on itself over time. Mm Totally. And I love thinking of that. So like something as simple as, you know, making cookies or baking banana bread. I'm like, who made up banana bread? You know, like those little things are so cool. So I've been thinking more about that of ways that I can incorporate it. I don't have exact examples, but those are the things I've been thinking about a lot. How about you? Um, I definitely, it's made me want to do more around like the upcoming winter holidays. And I feel like this year is such a good opportunity because it's going to be kind of an unconventional year for most people with their family holiday rituals and their ability to like be with their families you know, being looking very different. Yeah, I don't have. So Miles's birthday is on Sunday. So I'm like, that's like the one that I've been focusing on. Like, okay, what can we do to make this really special, but like in a way that we can repeat so that he'll remember like every year, the day before my birthday, we would go and pick out balloon, which balloon I was going to have. And like, you know, then we'd like, I'd wake up in the morning and we'd have a cupcake for breakfast. You know, like, what are those little things? Because I look back on my life and like, I don't have any of just even those moments of being like, oh yeah, if I got an A on a test, like I have a friend who, if she got an A on a test, then for dinner that night, she got to like eat off a special plate. Oh, that's so cute. You know, like just something like that where it's like to this day, she's like, oh yeah, it was like the, you got an A plate, you know? And it was like shaped like a star or something, you know, like it was like, and they kept it in like a special cabinet above the fridge. And so, you know, it would make a big deal out of bringing down the special plate and like, well, somebody got an A on a test today. So, you Mm -hmm. know, you get to eat off the special plate. And that like, that seems so silly, but it's just like something that has totally, had totally stuck with her. And like, obviously even stuck with me. So I've just been trying to think about all those the little different things like well, that. It's and the then things, it's the repetition or the things yeah. that you already do and noticing them as really, really special. Like yeah. every time my parents come, we have this ritual of going and getting donuts because that's what we always did when we were kids. And my dad would always, this is like a running joke in my family, my dad cuts things up into slivers. So whenever we were like kids, he would cut things up into like little, he's like, everyone gets a mm-hmm. sliver. So like, that's the joke in our family now is like, everyone gets a sliver because he'd always like ration everything out. So everyone got a piece. <laughs> but like, now I'm like really appreciating that. Like, that's yeah. just such a special moment. But yeah, that's really cool. And then the other thing is, so as you guys, most of you know, we have an au pair and she is from Brazil. And that's another, she is someone else who I think of a lot, like when we're doing holiday stuff, like for for Halloween, she was like, are you guys, do you decorate for Halloween? And I was like, no, not really. And then she just kept asking about it. And I was like, you know what? We're going to decorate for Halloween. You know, like what can we do? 
mm-hmm. even for her to like make things feel a little bit more special, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hear some of our listeners rituals. Yes, let's do. So the first one is from Stephanie. She wrote in and she said, Hey, ladies. Oh, wow. I've never been more excited to email y'all. <laughs> we got a y'all. This week's episode gave me life and tears too, Joy. I wrote down the quote, you're in touch with every Halloween there ever was because it spoke to me so much. So here's my ritual story. Growing up Halloween was a huge deal. My neighborhood went all out. It was a full-on block party event. All the houses decorated. The police closed off the streets and people came from miles around to trick or treat there. And I went to a Catholic school, so we were always off the day after Halloween, which made it even more fun. Fast forward to 2005 when I was a senior in high school and Hurricane Katrina literally wiped out my entire community. We went back to gut our home, but then moved to another city, so it was very much ripped away from me. Halloween is now even more important to me. And I just realized why while listening to the podcast today. I start decorating by October 1st, watch horror movies all month long, take my son to the pumpkin patch and make all of our costumes from scratch. It reminds me of one of the best things about my childhood and just gives me life. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. This one is from Catherine. Hey ladies, I wanted to tell you a little bit about a ritual that I had growing up. For background, I am a member of the Chippewa Cree tribe and I grew up on the Rocky Point Reservation in north central Montana. Specific ritual does have Métis roots. On New Year's Day, some people, usually the women, would stay home and cook for essentially all day open houses. And I have these really, really fond memories of it as a child of cooking with my mother or my grandmother and then having my uncles come over and eat bullets, which is meatball soup and bannock, which is a flatbread, and just visiting and laughing. And when they would leave, someone else would come over, and it was just a really good way to connect with our community on New Year's Day. And so I've continued making bullets and bannock on New Year's Day into my adult life, but in January 2020, I wanted to expand this, and I'm no longer living on the reservation, so I really wanted to figure out a way to make this work in my now non-Native community. And so I had several friends over. I made all those foods, the bullets and the bannock, put in the fry bread that my grandmother and mother used to make. And although I won't be able to do this in January 2021, thank you, pandemic, I'm really hopeful that I'll be able to pick it up next year because as Joy said in the podcast, this is one of those rituals where it just feels like home and I miss it. And I really am hoping that I'll be able to continue this in the future. Thanks, ladies. I had to play that one because it kind of freaked me out. And you know why? The tribe that she's from is my mom's family's tribe. The exact oh, wow. Tribe. That's cool. Even with the Métis roots. I was like, what? When That's I heard so cool. that, it was just so Catherine, we may be related in some way. <laughs> Cool. That was really cool. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Okay, this one is from Molly. Hey, Joy and Claire. This is Molly from Oklahoma. Just wanted to tell you about the ritual that I've been doing for the last couple of years. I have a 33-year-old horse, and every night, sometime between 9.30 and 10.30, I drive out to the barn where I have him boarded, and I give him a midnight snack. And I do it the same way every night. I feed the kitties out here some treats. I give him a treat. I give the other two horses that are in his barn at night a treat while his food soaks. And then I give him his food and he slops it up and I pet him. And every night I give him a big hug around the neck 
before I tell him goodnight and I'll see you tomorrow. And it just fills my soul every night and I just don't feel right if for some reason I don't get to do it. And it's been really great during this COVID time to have that stay the same and be the same every night. It just warms my soul. Loved the last episode and now I can't wait to listen to that book. Oh, I want a picture of her horse. Will you I know. please send us I, a picture? Um, uh, how long do horses live? I know. He's 33. I want to know. Molly, please send us a photo of your horse. So cute. Okay. I like can't even take the trash out every week. I can't imagine getting in my car and driving to pat my horse and give him a snack. Although if it was a horse. I know. And just like hug. Oh, horses are so great. Okay. This last one's from, sorry, we didn't get to them all. We listened to them all, but we didn't get to them all. But this one is from Claire and her subject line says voice memo, check in from Australia. And then in parentheses, I'm South African. So don't get your hopes up for a cool Aussie accent. (laughs) But it's a good accent. Okay, this is from Claire. Hi, Joy and Claire. This is Claire calling from Australia. I'm originally from South Africa, and all my family are still back there. Having had a newborn recently in Australia, I guess he's five months now, so he's not really that new, but was born um, in the middle of the COVID lockdowns. And since Australia's borders are still closed, my family can't come and visit just yet. So one of the great things that we've started up and I realised that we had created a ritual is that I call my mum every day while she's on her way to work in South Africa, which turns out to be afternoon time in Australia. And it's become our daily call. It keeps me grounded. It keeps us connected. And I really miss it on days that she doesn't go to work. So the weekends always feel a bit empty without our calls. It's great because then we get to FaceTime because she's not driving. But yeah, I just thought I'd check in and share a little bit of what's happening down under. Love the show. Love you guys. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. So cute. I, I actually like when I was, you know, still commuting to work, I would call my mom every day on my way into work after dropping miles off from yeah. at, at preschool. And yeah, I, now I miss it. I don't talk to her like nearly as much as I did. Because I would literally call her every morning. All right, guys. All right. Well, thank you for hanging in there with us. We had a lot to process this week. Yeah, we did. Thanks for hanging in there. Truly, truly thank you from the bottom of my heart. (laughs) (laughs) And for next week's question, we're going to go not super deep, not super heavy. Um, Next week when you hear this, it will be almost Halloween weekend. So we want to know if you're doing anything special for Halloween, if you have kids, how you're handling trick-or-treating, if you don't have kids, if you're having like a scary movie night, um, if you have any Halloween-specific rituals, what you're dressing up as, if you don't celebrate Halloween at all. Yeah. We would just, or if you celebrate another type of holiday that is around this time, like if you celebrate Dia de los Muertos, or if you celebrate the Celtic New Year, or All Saints Day. Yeah. What are you going to be celebrating on or around Halloween and how are you going to be doing it? Yes. So leave us a voice memo or record a voice memo for us and email it to us at thisisjoyandclaire at gmail.com. You can also just type it up in an email and email us. We can read it on the show or you can go to the contact us button in our Instagram profile, which is at joyandclaire underscore and click the contact button, which will take you to our Google voice number and you can call and leave a message. And that's another great, great way to get a message to us. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us and we'll talk to you next week. Bye guys. Bye.